0: All right. Welcome back to Troubled. Um, So part of the purpose of Troubled, we have that three-prong why we do what we do. And one of it was to investigate, expose, and reform current abusive programs. So today we have the first of our kind in this experience. We have Amanda Householder, who came to us over concerns for Circle of Hope, which is a program run by her own father um Cliff- Boyd Clifton householder, so Amanda, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. thank you <laughs> okay so so
0: why did you reach out to us because this has been kind of this has kind of blown our mind to be honest
1: um well, actually, it started with that um I posted that video and um I didn't really know about your guys' podcast until I think on Twitter. And then I saw that and I was like, oh my goodness, uh, podcast. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I just was like, well, they're doing these stories, so maybe they'll listen to mine. I've tried contacting people in the past about this. It's just not taken.
0: What kind of barriers have you faced in the past? Like, who were you contacting? Are we talking, like, state departments, media?
1: Well, yes. um, I did contact – I have contacted DSS on this um, situation. I think the first time was 2017. Um, But after that, and they didn't go anywhere, I contacted Dr. Phil. And um, they said – Of all people. I know. (laughs) He told me – that or not he but his producer told me that um they would not do the segment unless my parents would do the segment and they asked my permission to get a hold of my parents and i said yeah i was like but honestly they're not going to do the segment and they didn't do the segment and so (laughs) dr phil um declined that Uh, but then i got a hold of um i think it's kmov in st louis and they said they were going to do um an investigative report Uh, And so I sent them all the girls information that I had at that time. And at that time it was a lot more than I do now because we were um, going through an investigation with the highway patrol of Missouri. And then they turned us down because they said they didn't have enough evidence to the abuse. So, um, and then Sarah Smith, I'm not sure why Sarah Smith didn't go through with the story, but um, she was also looking at agape and I kind of feel like, that's where that ended up ending, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it derailed. Okay, so let's cue everyone into the mystery here. We're talking about Circle of Hope, which is a program that your father runs where?
1: Um, Humansville, Missouri. Humansville, and they've been open since when? 2006, June 2006.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're going on 15 years of this location and, uh, the agape, because obviously our, with our audience specifically, their keyword buzzers just like went off, you know, all antennas (laughs) are, they care about what you have to say now. Uh, uh, Agape is a big player in the, um, why is nobody paying attention to the children calling child abuse? So how is agape related to your father or circle of hope?
1: So in 2000, July, 2001, my parents moved to Agape and my dad became the, um, at this point he was head of the animals, the ranch. And then eventually he became the Dean of staff and students there. So we, we, oh, good.
0: And you yourself were, you, you moved there with your parents, you moved to Agape?
1: Yeah. We lived at Agape from 2001 until June, 2006.
0: How old are you when this is happening?
1: Um, We moved. I was 11. And then I think we moved right before I turned 16. So from 11 to 16 or 15.
0: Those are really important years.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so
0: is this your family's first touch with this whole behavior modification world or?
1: Um, I would say the um, excessive exercising part of it, but not the. um, Well, when we were getting there agape was ending spanking so um they were moving more towards just um more military boot camp like jumping jacks push-ups uh position for hours and stuff like that um the home that they worked at in florida they didn't do those types of workouts. they just spanked and did sentences and i'm not sure um, because I was a staff child there. I don't know the, uh, the extent of the abuse the kids went there because I was locked up, basically, at the first home. Um, but I do know they did spankings and sentencing, like sentences where you had to write something over and over and over again.
0: And this original home that you're talking about, this is prior to Agape, and where is this?
1: This one is in Tampa, Florida.
0: And this is called, what do they call this one?
1: Um, Hope Children's Home.
0: Okay. So, and, uh, your family is also living on site at Hope and and what years are you there?
1: Um, well, we were there twice the first year. Um, the first time it was called Faith Children's Home and we were there from 94 till I want to say 96 or 97. Um, because my parents left to go start their own home in West Virginia because they didn't agree with how, um, The school was going. I was really young then, so I don't really remember that. But um, they went and moved to Virginia, and that didn't work out. Uh, My sister ended up up passing away, and that same home changed its name from Faith Children's Home to Hope Children's Home. They came to the church we were at in Virginia, and they did, like, um, touring where they go sing and, like, preach and stuff like that. And buddy morrow um told my dad hey you need to come back and work for us and so we did um i think it was like i want to say within the next month me and my dad went back down and that would have been 1998 and we didn't leave until 2001.
0: when you guys were heading
1: to agape yeah
0: so is this almost is it fair to say that you kind of grew up in these programs
1: yes (laughs) i honestly most of my childhood was in these programs.
0: But kind of also an outsider within your own community, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Be- okay. Oh, Continue, please. Oh, no, no this is a surreal concept. I think people have we have more access to survivor testimonies where even if people spend five, six, seven years, their entire teenage years in these programs it isn't their family life you know it's very rare to have someone who like grows up with their family being on the inside of these programs so I'm definitely interested in anything you have to contribute yeah
1: um basically within our family um my dad is very um I feel like he has he's not diagnosed because he doesn't believe in this but I feel like he has severe PTSD and with that he cannot stand being embarrassed and if he gets embarrassed. Uh, so it sounds like
0: the adults that you went to initially did believe you, but that going to the adults caused further trauma and more fear. Yeah.
1: Um, the, the next year, they, they ended, ended up kicking me out of the school. Um, of Agape? No, this was at Circle of Hope, my parents' school. Okay. That was after telling the lady what happened at Circle of Hope he like, I just want to say he shuts down and he becomes super abusive. I remember uh, we would go to church and we were raised on children are to be seen and not heard every Sunday. um, My brother and I would come home and put on as many pairs of underwear as we could, because we knew that we were either too loud or made too much of a noise at church because we were either seen, you know, seen, I mean, not seen, heard, we were being heard and he would, take his belt off and he would just beat us for, you know, at being a young child, it felt like forever, but it was so bad that when we were done, we could not sit down. My butt would be, um, red hot for days after it was, it was bad. Um, it got to the point when he, um, it got worse. So we started putting books in our underwear and then he noticed that. And then he started making us take our underwear off and spanking us bare bottoms. Um, Wow. When, I don't know why, but he switched from using a belt at one point to using a horse crop. And that, (laughs) he used that on my brother so bad that it broke. And so one day he um, took a base, or not a baseball, he took a golf club and took the metal part off of it and started beating my brother with a fiberglass stick. Um, At this point, I confided in one of the girls at the home. Um, faith. And I told her what was going on um, behind closed doors. And she took it to one of the staff members there. And the staff member told my dad. And my dad had this really long um, conference table. He sat the staff member down at one end. He was at the other end. I was on his left-hand side, and my mom was on his right-hand side. And he made me tell the staff member that I was lying and the moment that staff member left my dad pulled sorry i'm laughing it's not funny it's just really weird um he pulled out the golf stick and started hitting the table telling me this is not a golf club this is the fiberglass stick of a golf club and then he just started beating me with it and i remember trying my hardest to crawl under um the rug he had (laughs) yelling help me help me and um that was like the last time I went to someone at that place. Um, I remember not too long after that, we moved to Agape and um, at Agape, me and my brother, me and my siblings were really violent towards each other because of what went on at home. We just picked up on being violent. It was very toxic growing up, but um, we were fighting one day and Agape had intercom phones in everyone's house and we accidentally hit the intercom phone and we were yelling at each other. <laughs> and my, oh, no. yeah, my mom was in the shower. And so my dad came home and hung up the phone and then started beating us and then telling us what was going on while he was like beating us. And um, I remember, I think it was like the, the next day, I ran away. Um, I ran, it, it, Agape, if you look on a map, it it's literally out in the middle of nowhere. So I ran just onto their property up, a hill but it felt like i was really far away and i was like you know what i have a friend her name is ashley Clemenson. she was the granddaughter of the owners i was like i can go tell her parents what happened or not her parents i can go tell her what happened and um she can either hide me in her closet and i won't have to go home or something well i go to her house and i ask her mom if we can play and her mom's like yeah go play and i told ashley And Ashley told her parents (laughs) and her parents took me into um, the owner of Agape's office. And the owner basically told me that I was wrong and that if I was being punished, I was being punished for something I did and I should be punished for it. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, punished or beaten? Well, they said punished, punished. But the thing is... um, they, I don't, they go by the spare the rod, spoil the child. And um, to them, they're not going to look further into how he's beating you, if that makes sense. They're just going to go by what he says because he is the good godly Christian that they have to believe. I don't know other than it's just weird because um, even when uh, we went to the church that they're currently at is called Berean I went to a lady. Her name was Julie Burton, Burton or Bruton, And I was staying with her and I found out she worked with foster kids and I confided in her what went on at the home. And she believed me. She like fully believed me. Um, but for some reason she's like, Oh, well, let me talk to, um, brother Abel's, which is the pastor of the church. And he went to my parents and that night I, I was beaten really bad for telling her (laughs) everything, everything. But, um, they just, I don't know what it is. is. They just don't believe the child because f- spare the rod, spoil the child. If we did something wrong, it's our fault. Okay,
0: so you informed the, um, the religious community around Circle of Hope in Missouri. And then, so that was, so did you actually go to an adult at all three programs?
1: Um, yeah, actually, uh, I went to the owners of Agape and then I went to, right. well, she wasn't an adult. I would say she was like 16 or 17 at,
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't even sound like, excuse me, like a belief system, because if they are, you know, supportive of corporal punishment, both in the schools and in their own homes,
1: then he's not really doing anything wrong anyway. Yes, exactly. Um, Hope Children's Home. And she did what she thought was best going to an adult. And that didn't help. (laughs) So...
0: Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, when people say, why didn't you reach out for help? It sounds like you did. And did you stop reaching out for help after you were kicked out of Circle of Hope?
1: Oh, yeah. At that point, I was done. Um, I didn't want to – the brainwashing they did, I didn't want to even open that can of worms. I was done. Um, You can even see online where I go on and I start defending my parents because – the guilt trips my dad uh my dad would call me telling me oh hey they're gonna get me this time this time I'm going to jail and so that would make me feel like I needed to go defend my dad because (laughs) at the end of the day he's still my dad and no matter what I still I still love him um unfortunately what he's doing is wrong and I don't agree with what they're doing but I still loved him and he knows that um and he knew that at that time so he knew he could play me that way And so you can go see online where I'm like, no, they didn't do that. If anything, it's your fault because you're a horrible parent for not taking care of your kids. And I don't believe that anymore. 100%. I do not believe that. I don't think I really believed that then. I just was standing up for what... I don't know. At the time, I felt I needed to stand up for.
0: Well, did you also... It sounds like if this... um, You fawning and supporting your father in the program this is happening after you were kicked Mm -hmm. out so it sounds like a lot of the motive for you to have his back is to keep a connection with your family yeah
1: and then um after that uh we stopped talking for about four years so what
0: changed it
1: like what changed you from pot so some people are going to hear this
0: and they're going to be like I know Amanda, that bitch lit my ass on fire when I tried to tell the truth. And now she, Um, which for the record, I just want to say for me, makes you more credible because you know what I mean? Because I can see you doing the opposite. So for you to come full circle, like I find these claims now to be more credible. I don't think you've always hated your dad. You've always been lying about your dad because obviously you were supportive of your father, but some people are going to be straight up tripping. So like what happened girl? Like what is the difference between, you know, you guys are, have the wrong guy, leave my daddy alone. And okay, even though he's my dad, and even though I love him, and I can accept that, like, this needs to stop.
1: I had kids. um, And uh, um, I think my son, it was either he bit me or he hit me. It wasn't anything that I don't feel that you should spank a kid. I now know, knowing what I know, I don't believe in corporal punishment. But at that time, I had just had him and I think he was a year old. Um, And he bit me. And just out of instinct, i hit him on the butt but it left a mark and it shouldn't have left a mark but um my husband or he, he's my boyfriend but he came in and he's like you don't do this and I felt seriously I felt so guilty I felt like the worst mother ever and um started going to therapy and um it was just uh, I can't even describe how much of a snowball effect it was of like oh 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 my gosh like things just started coming back to me and I was just like I was raised in a toxic environment and I should not be continuing this with my kids. And thankfully that one time was the only time that we ever had an issue with that. And we have come to, um, we've learned, I've learned how to become a better parent that way. (laughs) Weird, but yeah, becoming a mom helped me.
0: That's not weird. That makes perfect sense. You know, like, As you growing up with this behavior happening to you from authority and for you learning to accept it probably before you even thought about it happening to your peers, you know, heavy, heavy levels of corporal punishment and verbal, emotional and psychological abuse. um, That's the modeled behavior. But it also is a beautiful redemption story. And it makes perfect sense that you having your own children and flipping the script and it not being me and my peers or trouble or cause trouble. And this is how we treat kids. But it being this is my own. I'm a mother now. Who am I as a mother? What is my relationship with my child? I mean that thank you like that's amazing because not all of us not all of us change you know change our minds and try to be better people you know so i mean it makes i think any therapist would be like oh that makes sense (laughs) the best motivation in the world
1: is your child Um, they truly are they (laughs) i like to tell people they saved me it's weird but they did um yeah you asked me about um what other people are gonna say, I have reached out to a lot of the Circle of Hope girls that I have gotten into arguments with before, and I've already apologized to them. And um, I have messages, but I've apologized to, I'd say about 90% of them. If I haven't um, apologized to them, it's because I have not found them. Um, But I truly do feel bad for um, everything. Um, When we were there, or when I was there, there i'm sure you guys know but power trips um and because i was their daughter i do know that i had power trips um now i wouldn't necessarily um put people in push up position but i would um i would take it to my dad and at that point obviously i'm taking it to my dad's and he can do the worst punishment ever so um sorry i don't know um but like i okay. no it's a
0: it's a big thing the what part of our of our experience is our responsibility and we've talked about it and you know even within the survivor community there's people that have been the cause of harm to others and we've all on some level been that you yeah. know ourselves so um i think that you taking responsibility and offering an apology to these girls for not standing up for them for causing anything and for not believing them um, I think that you championing this cause now is the best apology that you can make.
1: I think so too. And yeah. Um, Sorry, my mind's going like I have a million different things. I just don't know where to go from here.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you. So where we go from here is something that you mentioned to me that really, really concerned me. So, okay. It sounds like, so these are your biological parents though. Yes. Um, Boyd householders, your yes. father yes. by blood. Okay. But it's out, you mentioned he has some other daughters that were not his blood and came through through this program machine. Can you tell me a little bit about yeah, that?
1: Um, I think Maggie was the first one. So I'll start with her. Um, I want to say it was 2012 or 2013 that Maggie, um, her dad, Um, was on some medication to stop smoking and the side effect of those medication of this medication um, was suicide Uh, and he unfortunately he um, committed suicide and in doing so um, my parents ended up adopting Maggie and um, she essentially became my sister Um, my dates are a little messed up I can't I think it was it was either 2013 or 2014 because I had just had my first son. Um, and she wasn't, I think she was 16 or 17. But they adopted her and um, basically she stayed there. They made her stay until she was 21. Um, but within doing so, they took, um, I want to say it was close to 30 grand from her uh, because her dad left her some money from her um Uh, trust fund, I don't know if he had that set up, but he left her some money somewhere. And and instead of of putting it towards her college, which it should have been put towards, they put it towards um, their stuff. She will know more exactly what they used to pay it for, but they took her money. And then at 21, um, they kicked her out, but instead of getting her a flight to Oklahoma, which is where she's from, um, they shipped her off to St. Louis, Missouri her biological mom which didn't really have much um, contact with her throughout her time um, had to come up with one of her friends and get Maggie and bring Maggie back to Oklahoma um, the other girl her name is um, her name's Rachel Kelso and um, sorry she gets me all the time uh, mm-hmm. she's a little older than me um, I think she's older than me by two years so that would put her at um turning 31 or turning 32 um she was medically diagnosed unfit to handle her um, to take care of herself mentally um declared unfit to handle take care of herself in 2013 and so her parents gave over co-guardianship to my parents and um she literally will be there for the rest of her life if um, if we don't help her. She she is, like, the sweetest person ever, too. She has, like, the best smile. But because she is not capable of controlling her emotions, she will see the worst side of my dad most of the time she is there because my dad can't even handle her. Like I said earlier, my dad, when he gets embarrassed, it takes – I don't, he just gets so mad. Like you can just see his face and he goes red and he can't handle himself. And, um, I've seen him pick her up and slam her to the ground. Oh God. And, um, he had this rule where if he calls, um, restraint, that all of the higher up shirts were supposed to come running and every single girl higher up shirt was supposed to sit on her wrists, all of her pressure points, um, until she screamed. And if she wasn't screaming loud enough, he told us that it would happen to us next. Um, at one point, I don't remember what point it was. I was like, no, I can't do this. And I stayed downstairs because I was in charge of the kitchen and I just made up lies like, Oh, I have to take care of this. I have to do this. I have to do that because, um, it was really traumatizing. Like having to do that to anyone was traumatizing, but to do it to Rachel, it was really traumatizing. Um,
0: How long uh, do you estimate that Rachel herself, a special needs human being who should be under special protections by the state? uh, How long do you estimate she was in stress positions and restraints like
1: this? And I'm not even lying. She has been in, I would say two hours has probably been the longest, but she was in it for hours. Her sister Ariana was also at the school. And at one point they both were getting restrained side by side and they both were the same amount of time. Um, Both of them. How old were them at this time?
0: I want to imagine. I want, and I want everyone to fucking imagine this because Rachel, the super sweet, especially abled human being, and her sister side by side being held down, screaming in stress position pressure points. How old Um, were they?
1: Ariana would have been 14 and Rachel would have been um, 17 or 16 because she's just a couple of years older than me and I was kicked out at 17. So I think she was 16 or 17. Okay. And this is,
0: how often are these tactics being used on the girls Every at day. Circle of Hope?
1: Every day. This is oh, an yeah. everyday occurrence. Um, you could get restrained for not smiling. You could get, um, we had another set of sisters, uh, Candice and Ariel, um, Ariel um, we were told if they even looked at each other or looked in the direction of each other, we were to take them down with all our force and put, start pushing their pressure points until they screamed, um, and then someone would have to run and go get my dad. But just for looking at your sister, I mean, it's only natural to look at someone you know. So it is, yeah, uh, literally for anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I had um, I had a, a pair of siblings. I had the sister and another family had the brother and there were multiple pairs of siblings at my school and they were always on personal blackouts with each other. So think about the trauma that you're not only being kidnapped, sent to this program where you're being emotionally, verbally and psychologically minimum. And sounds like definitely with this situation, physically abused at Circle of Hope. But you also there is someone that, you know, there is someone that knows who you really are, you know, and believes in you and they're coexisting, but you have to pretend yeah. they don't exist. And, and if you don't, either you or this person that you care about will be brutalized exactly. in front of you. And I don't
1: know. It's.
0: I don't understand either. I, I know. I'm like, I, I,
1: I try to, but <laughs> it really like the only thing I can think of is control and um, in 2006, the ending of 2006, myself, a girl named Mylin, and a girl named Chloe um, actually ran away. And the same girl, Candace, asked us if she could come with us. But we told her no because um, they had alarms in the hallway and her room was across the way from mine. And the two girls I ran away with had we had an adjoining room. And so um, I wish I would have taken her then, but that didn't happen. <laughs>
0: We wish we would have gone with everybody. I mean, everybody wishes they would have, you know, looked around, been like, there are only this many of them. And there are this many of us, two of us (laughs) hold them down. Everybody run for the door. (laughs) You know, I mean, the Dundee Ranch Riot. If you need to live out your like fantasy for that, like read up on the Dundee Ranch Riot. That's the Costa Rica Wasp, Narvin Litchfield place, Costa Rica raids. But then after Wasp wouldn't let the kids go, even though Costa Rica took most of them and raided, they like dragged them back from the jungles, the ones that had run off. And so they literally after a few weeks, I think there was only a couple dozen left at the school at this time, rioted. To get out and get to embassies to wait their turn to get back to the U.S. Like it was so there is <laughs> fantasy fodder for those who, you know, need that. But most of us didn't. Um. Uh, what happened when you ran away? Because you didn't stay. Run away. Did <laughs> no, you? actually.
1: Um. So I'll just start from the beginning. Um. And we started talking, and um, somehow I forget exactly how. Um we got this idea. I was allowed to work at the salon in um, Stockton and there was this guy who had came in and he was flirting with me. His name was Matt. And so I had a phone and I contacted him. I got his number (laughs) through the salon and I contacted him and Chloe took the phone and she's like telling him everything that's going on at the home. And he hangs up and he talks to his dad and then he calls us back and he's like, well, I can take you as far as Kansas city. And we're like, okay, So that day we went and grabbed trash bags and then started packing everything uh, we could. I had um, some jeans that I was going to turn into skirts because we weren't allowed to wear pants. Um, But we're like, oh, well, let's take these. So (laughs) we put on the pants um, at night. We climbed out the window and we started walking down this long road until we saw Matt. And he picked us up and um, we didn't really have a plan. All we knew was um, Chloe just kept saying, go west. That's where California is, go west. And so we just kept driving west and we made it to New Mexico. And um, I, at that time, um, was scared because the girl that Chloe, that we ran away with, she was dating um, a gang leader and um, um, Lin, um she had her mom to go to but they were talking about um just living on the streets and stuff and so that scared me especially like growing up the way I did I was always sheltered (laughs) and so I was like ah I called my grandma and I told my grandma I would not tell her where I was at unless um unless she promised me she wouldn't tell my grandpa or not my grandpa my um my dad and so she handed the phone to my grandpa And my grandpa asked me, he's like, where are you? And so I told him. I was like, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And so they got a hold of my parents. My grandma paid for a plane ticket for my dad and her. And they both came down and got me from there. Um, I ended up staying in a halfway house overnight. Um, But then um, once they got me, um, they took me back. Um, And the moment my grandma left, uh, (laughs) my rights were all taken away. Um, not that I had many. I mean, I had more than the girls that were in the home, but, um, everything was taken. Like I had nothing. Um, I was put on the wall. I couldn't even use the bathroom when I needed to, which is something the girls had, to, the girls have to, um, deal with all the time. Um, so I, I got severe UTI, um, um, I don't remember exactly why I got off the wall, but it was a couple of months later. Um, they finally let me up and they put me back in charge of the kitchen. And I think it was because that they my mom needed to do like everything secretary wise and they had no one doing the kitchen. So my mom was just overwhelmed. And so I think that's the only reason why they're like, oh, well, you need to go start working in the kitchen again. How, yeah. many,
0: how many kelsos are there?
1: Okay, so she was adopted out of the Philippines, and she had, um, I think, Peter. Um,
0: these are adopted. Do, yeah. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed yes. this? Yes. yes, girl. It's what so the sad. It is. Like, don't adopt them if you're not gonna fucking be a parent.
1: And <laughs> that's exactly how I feel, and it makes me sad because. There was one girl, she was adopted out of the Ukraine. Her name is Laura. And when she turned 18 and her parents didn't want to pay for her anymore, they literally kicked her out. They gave her a stuffed animal and a skirt and told her to walk. And they are six miles outside of any town. Thankfully, there were people that picked her up in the town of Humansville and took her in. Um, But that's not the only person they did that to. That's just one of the ones that I know of um, it's just weird. And it, she was adopted out of the Ukraine. And then a lot of the other girls that are sent there were adopted out of different countries or just adopted out of foster care. And it's just a weird, um, it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah. How to, it,
0: <laughs> Cause coincidence doesn't work. Right. Because it feels like there's a causal element with people adopting kids and then kind of returning them into these recycling programs.
1: Yeah. And it's sad to be honest. I don't want to like judge anyone's parenting, but it's, it's really sad, especially when you know that you're adopting them out of a um, toxic situation, like Rachel, like the Kelsos, um, their biological parents beat them severely. Like Joel, the the boy I dated, he um, would have cigarettes put out on his head daily He still had scars on the back of his head. Um, Rachel was kicked across her room, or not the room, their house when um, she was an infant. Um, Like, they went through a lot of abuse and her adopted parents knew that. Um, So they should have known when I think it was six kids total. There's so many, I can't. um, I know it was Peter, Joel. um, There was one more boy. I can't remember his name for some reason. Maya, Ariana and Rachel. And um, Maya was sent to Refuge of Grace. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's now called Wings of Faith. But it's the girls' home to the Agape boarding school. Um, And then they sent Rachel and Ariana to my parents. So they just... Are you cool with all this being on the record? Yeah, I am. Okay,
0: so the boys were the boys sent directly to Agape or did they, because Circle of Hope is only for girls. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Circle of Hope is only for girls. Um, Yeah. Peter was there before I, um, before my time, because we came in 2001. He left and then, um, oh, it was Zachary. Zachary and Joel were there when I was there um, at Agape. And um, they were one of the um, trouble There, so they were constantly getting um, punished, if that makes sense. Um, Push ups, jumping jacks, um, put on the wall, no talking. Um, Yeah, and then, like I said, Maya went to Refuge, but Refuge didn't open up until like I think it was 2005, and they were a different home from Washington. And then they came and just merged with Agape randomly in 2005. See, and that's what this,
0: you know, the household or family journey through the programs really illustrates, right? The connections. Yeah. How interwoven it is. Because So if you met these kids when you guys moved to Agape, then did Rachel come to Circle of Hope with you guys when you left?
1: No. So Agape is just a boy's home. Um, Rachel and Ariana, they weren't there. Um, they I weren't at
0: the girl program yet no
1: um because we didn't open until 2006 and they came i think 2007 or 2008 um i didn't even know of Rachel and Ariana um until after they came um i knew of Maya but that was because she was at refuge but i wasn't allowed to talk to the boys at the boarding school at Agape um they, <laughs> it's so weird. they actually had this thing where if they saw a female coming, they had to part the Red Sea because most of them wore burgundy shirts and they would have to yell, girl, part the Red Sea. And they literally would have to move two feet away from you so you could walk by them. Like you couldn't look at them. You couldn't um, talk to them. Nothing like that. I actually got into trouble a lot at Agape because some of the staff girls at agape would start rumors on me and unfortunately my parents wouldn't do what they should have done and researched it they just took the word for it and i got into a lot of trouble over that um so that's just another way of looking how agape is toxic (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone who's ever heard of Agape thinks that it's some lovely Christian boarding school that's like therapeutic for kids, you know, you know, aside from <laughs> people who are spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on it for their kids. Um, but OK, so Rachel's <laughs> en- Rachel's entire family just got thrown into the system. So it makes sense that her parents were willing to sign her over to your parents. Did your
1: parents have anything to do with declaring her unfit? Um, from the sound of it, like I I wasn't there, but from the sound of it, when I was because I was talking to my mom at the time, it sounded like it was my parents idea, because um, nothing against the Kelsos, but um, my parents already know that the Kelsos don't want their kids. Um, and that's something they would constantly say is that they don't want their kids. Um, and so when that happened, my mom said it would give her extra money. Not not Rachel. When I say her, I mean, my mom and my dad extra money. Um, so to me, it sounded like it could have been a mutual thing, but it sounded like it was more of my mom trying to get Rachel for the money.
0: Yeah, well, if they've set up a trust for this person that's going to need specialized care for the rest of her life, then your mom's probably the beneficiary of that trust now. Yeah. Yeah. I think one would imagine. Yeah, I'm like,
1: I'm almost positive she is because my dad doesn't have anything to do with the finances like his name is on it. But um, my dad's not the smartest person mathematically or even book wise. Um, So he leaves my mom up to do all of that stuff, anything office wise. (laughs)
0: Right, which sounds like she has dips because they had an issue with uh, the IRS, which I wish, you know, the IRS is what shut down Synanon. So I wish they'd shut down your parents.
1: Well, Um, the funny thing is, the IRS thing, um, back in 2016, I was talking to my grandma. And at this point, my grandma was still talking to my parents. My grandma told me that they were moving their funds. And I was like, what do you mean they're moving their funds? And she's like, oh, something with the IRS. And I was like, okay. So, like, I know that something was going on, and I don't know how to search up what was going on, but they were moving their money, so.
0: Well, it seems like there's so many angles for the authorities, if you will, to look at them. Um, You know, I I would imagine that Rachel would have some sort of caseworker that should check up on her and approve the conditions. Yeah.
1: Um, That was one of the the questions like I had. I don't know where I would go to find out all that stuff. Um, But that's what I thought. Like, because she's not, she is a normal human being. I don't mean it like that, but she's not a normal person. You would think that she would have a caseworker, like you said, that came out and checked up on her. Um, Now, I do want to say this. A couple of weeks ago, I got a message on Facebook from a girl who went to Circle of Hope, and she was talking with a girl that had just recently left. And that girl said that Rachel um, spoke up to DSS about the dark room, which is the room they used to lock girls in. That was left, so I don't know where it's at or anything like that. I just know of it. And um, Rachel told DSS about the dark room. And um, after DSS left, Rachel got into a lot of trouble I asked the girl to find out what kind of trouble she got into but the girl would not go into detail um but even Rachel at this point is speaking out about it
0: so then I she may have access to someone in the system also wasn't there a DSS worker or someone of that nature who was supposed to do annual reviews or inspections what's that about
1: okay so um yeah I don't know how that went down the um Jonathan Osborne contacted me and he's the lawyer for DSS and he said that um, what was happening was my parents are turning around and suing DSS because DSS didn't come out and um, appropriately um, check up on something. Um, I don't know what it was that they were supposed to be checking up on. I do know what he was investigating. Um, and that was sexual abuse. Um, sorry. From my brother, my youngest brother. Um, so I don't know if it wasn't like if a girl reported that my brother sexually abused them and DSS didn't come out then or what. But it was apparently two times that they didn't come out. And so my parents turned around and was like, well, we're suing DSS. And so DSS's lawyer was like, well, I have to investigate this. And so he contacted me through um, seeing everything I've written online. I left my email and he contacted me asking me to prove that I was Amanda Householder. And I said, well, I don't know how I would would prove that because my name is now Amanda O'Brien, but I am currently talking with the Highway Patrol in Missouri. And um, I've been to San Bernardino County's jail and they have had my ID and they can verify who I am. And so ever since then, we had just been working together. I was sending him all the screenshots. Gosh, this is so hard. All the screenshots I had from girls stating that my brother um raped them or forced himself upon them. And um I even have a message between a mother and myself and um about it. And I sent all of that over to DSS. Um yeah.
0: Wow. I mean this is just, just incredibly hard. Go ahead.
1: I was just gonna I just want to throw this out there um, as another Um, a way to look at it. So my parents in 2014 or no, 2012 caught a girl raping my brother, Julian. Um, She was 18 and my brother Julian would have been, um, Oh, he was underage. I think he was like 14 at this time. And um, they kicked her out and they didn't get him help. um, Not giving him an excuse for anything, but they didn't get him help. They pushed it under the rug and then finding out all of the stuff he's doing. uh, It just, they failed him as a person because they could have gotten him help. And unfortunately they didn't. And he, from what it seems like, he continued the cycle.
0: Yeah. It's not, listen, there is, firstly, you of all people don't need a pre disclaimer, a disclaimer. If you're willing to get public and be honest about things that you and certain people, your, your family have done, um, then it's no disclaimer needed. And as far as why people, again, like you said, it's a fucking cycle. Not only was he sexually abused, but he grew up literally in an abusive toxic environment you know, where yeah. this kind of you're not uh, submitting to me. Let me assert my authority in all sorts of psychological, physical and emotional ways. Um, it doesn't mean that the actions he did are OK. They're still abhorrent. Right. But yeah. it makes sense why he did what he did. And like you said, this is bullshit because he never needed to be on the other end of this power trip. He needed help. He deserved better. And yeah, I do hold your parents agape circle of hope and all of these influences partially responsible for his actions.
1: Me, me too. And I don't mean that to be like, Oh, my brother didn't do it. Cause he, he is in charge of his actions. He is an adult now. And he, I spoke with him just recently and he kept telling me, Oh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I told him, I was like, I'm not taking these girls truth away. It's not my place to take it away because they went through what they went through. And, um, it's the courts' place to decide. For me, I will still support my brother. And when I say support, I mean I will be there for him if he goes to jail. I'll still talk to him. I'll still be his sister. I will still love him because I know that it's not all him. I do real. I do realize he is an adult and he is in charge of his actions now. But um, I do feel like if he had a different childhood, it would have it would have been a different outcome. A hundred percent. I told him I do care about him and I still love him. But to me, love is not sitting back, watching people do bad things. It is helping them get the help they need to end those bad things. And becoming a mom, that's honestly what becoming a mom taught me is tough love is not the way they taught us. Tough love is standing by the people you love, even though they're doing wrong things and telling them what you're doing is wrong.
0: Yes, and helping them get the help they need. Yeah, definitely. So I want to be very clear then about what you did witness. So did you witness your father sexually abusing other girls?
1: I did not witness him sexually abusing other girls, but I did, at Agape, witness him. Um, there were a few bigger-breasted <laughs> bigger girls there, and he would flirt with them, weirdly flirt with them. Um, he... Uh, for me I don't think it's right but he did rub them the wrong way um, I know there's a girl her name is Candace we we spoke about her before um, he would have her massage his head and it would just be her in the um, office so for me she's a younger girl you should not be an old man alone in an office with a younger girl touching you so I don't know what happened it's because I was downstairs But I didn't, like I said, I didn't witness that. Um, Him, when I say witness that, I didn't witness him kissing or inappropriately sexually touching anyone.
0: Is it true that someone else did witness inappropriate sexual behavior with your father and a minor at the Tampa location? Yes. Yes. Okay. And and see... And that's what we want to do, though, is like I we want to let you speak for yourself for what you personally experienced and what you personally saw. And there's a girl, there's a bunch of other people hitting us up uh, now that you're talking to us ready to speak on their behalf, too. So, you know, I think we have enough horse's mouths to get firsthand testimony from for not we don't even need to speculate on hearsay.
1: Right. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I'm glad.
0: Yeah. I want to say, though, that I find it really empowering And obviously you've done some fucking deep spiritual work to love your father, but also be able to judge his actions
1: separately. It's been a long, (laughs) long trip. There there were times that I was like, I hate him. I can't stand him. I want him dead. But that's he's a human. We're all human. And unfortunately, not all of us have a head on our shoulders. (laughs) A good one, at least. Right.
0: Well, you, well, you know, like, um, program participants like us, um, a lot of us have prolonged distancing from our families that sent us to these programs. But your situation is that your dad is the program monster. Yeah. And so shit. if you can find a way at least to, you know, at least on a spiritual way, forgive him, not necessarily condone or forgive his actions, but like forgive him as a, as a human and as a soul, um, I think maybe the rest of us need to do a little bit more work. Do you have any words of wisdom for those of us who are ready to go down that path with our own parents?
1: Um, honestly, the only thing I have is I did a lot of um, research on different types of mental um, issues like PTSD. Um, my dad has, like I said, he has that. He was in Vietnam. He, he watched his friend um, get blown up in Beirut. He has um, he has a lot of trauma. He has even his childhood. Like, our family is deep-rooted in the ISB um, religion. Like, his dad helped build Bob Jones University and stuff like that. So, he has his own trauma. It was just learning about trauma and um, how other people deal with it that helped me. So, therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. We all condone therapy. I'm so <laughs> glad you have a therapist. Um, I We so so far we've never interviewed someone who doesn't have a therapist oh. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, and I'm not ready to do that. So I have a call with, um, unbroken, the founder of unbroken Samantha Gerson, who is like a therapist and focuses on survivors of institutional abuse. Cause she is one, you know? Yeah. Um, so hopefully she can hook it up because I'm like, at this point, I'm like, you guys are on pause cause I'm, I don't want to be responsible for re-traumatizing. Yeah. You
1: accidentally definitely you have to I don't want to say move on but you have to realize that what happened to you happened to you and you can't you can't do anything to change it but you can use your voice to help the people that are there still going through what you went through and for me um that's my therapy (laughs) I mean my therapy is therapy but um that's my therapy
0: Yeah, because if you stayed silent, if you kept your voice on the message boards being like, hey, survivors of Circle of Hope, shut up. You just don't like my daddy. Uh, (laughs) You know, Rachel, (laughs) Rachel Kelso would spend the rest of her life with your dad. I know the cost you guys like everybody who's listening who isn't us which I'm sure at least one person right <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is, is there is a human being named Rachel Kelso who was adopted by a family that was not prepared to parent her she was abused by her family of origin she was abandoned by her adoptive family and signed over legally to Amanda's family the householders who aren't really doing anybody any good you guys not even their own biological children <sighs> Right. And she's our age and she is literally like, we're not going to die. Most of us aren't going to Corona out in the near future. Okay. And, uh, and and in all seriousness though, a lot of our survivor friends have children who are in high risk and that put that shit in perspective. So I've got to stop making jokes and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, but look ahead, like our lives look long. And that means that Rachel who was in stress and restraint positions for hours and screaming next to her sister, who is this sweet childlike soul who just wants to live this innocent loving life is literally looking at growing old and dying in our
1: nightmares. Like we got out and she never, never will. She never will. And that's what scares me. Honestly, I've had so many dreams just about trying to get her out of the place because I don't think anyone deserves it, but she really does not deserve to be there for the rest of her life. There's nothing that she has done I, the stuff she does isn't even sinful if that makes sense. What she does is just her natural self and her natural self throws fits because she is wired that way. Her brain is not wired to function like ours and they can't handle that.
0: <laughs> no, nor should they be entrusted with that. We're these peoples, the vulnerable in our community, like they deserve the most protection and oversight and care that we can offer and so like like they failed your brother they're failing her still and so I I genuinely commend you though I, I commend you for heading this because it's incredibly important that Rachel get out of this place and that all the other girls that are going to come in after her do but but honestly her serving a life sentence that that enough that is alone enough yeah. you know thank
1: you yeah definitely thank you for saying her name it's uh I have wanted to go tag her name everywhere just so people can know her name.
0: I feel like a where is Rachel Kelso hashtag should be something that the survivor community should commit to until we know where she is and we know like how she is being treated and that we as a community can agree that that is an ethical, humane standard because I'm pretty sure most of us can agree right now from what we've heard from you that
1: that it is not. Yeah, no, it's not. It is not.
0: <laughs> so you've come to the survivor community before to try to like get this moving. Um and it sounds like, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, nobody really wanted to have this conversation until you posted a video on Twitter. So what video? What are you talking about?
1: Um so there was an ex-student named Joseph Askins who um idolized my dad and my mom called him up and said, "Hey, um boyd is dying you need to come see him before he dies that is something they've always said he is not dying he is not he they, he's been dying since i left and um that's just their way of getting guilt i feel um so he went out and he visited and at first he's like you're not dying like you look healthy and um he's like everything's fine um it was just kind of like a where girls were doing workouts and Keep in mind, this kid went to Agape, and he didn't see what was wrong, really, at Agape. Um, I mean, he did, but he didn't really. Uh, he was... he drank the Kool-Aid? Yes. Did he
0: drink the Kool-Aid? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, un- we understand, yeah. you guys, you know? So
1: um, he drank the Kool-Aid, and so um, he went and visited my dad, and he's like, yeah, everything was fine. They were doing workouts. He's like, but then the next morning, my dad was going through write-ups um, where girls write up what girls did bad. And there was this one write up where, um, a girl was thirsty and, um, for the, this is a new rule. It wasn't there when I was there, but for the black girls, apparently they are supposed to keep a bottle of water, um, by their bed at night so they can manage their hair. So it doesn't look bad. I don't know. Um, he said,
0: wait, pause before, wait, what is, what are they going to do with the bottle of water? Um,
1: they used it to, I guess, um, put like make their hair stand go down i don't know i really like all
0: throughout the night there's like an alarm that (laughs) goes off for the african-american girls that's like hey girls it's time to lubricate your. Um, like is that what's happening or just like before bed and when they wake up before bed and when
1: they wake up but uh okay i was
0: really excited yeah no um
1: but he said that um This girl said, she was a new girl, she's like, I'm thirsty, can I get water? And one of the girls that had the bottle, she's all like, here, it's fresh, you can have some of mine. And she was doing it kind of hush-hush, but the higher-up shirts saw it, and so they wrote her up. And so that next morning, my dad calls all the girls upstairs, and he starts yelling at this girl, and he's like, you're thirsty? Well, I'll make it to where you're never thirsty again, and starts making her drink a lot of water. At this point, Josh, uh, not Josh, Joseph was like... um, that's going to cause water toxicity. And so he started paying attention more. And um, he started, he he said he started talking to his wife and his wife's like, this is wrong. Like this shouldn't happen. And he happened to get,
0: I'm sorry. His wife was there. No, she
1: texts through text. I'm sorry. He started texting his wife and telling her what was going on. And she's like, this is wrong. Like that can kill her. And so um, he happened to get a video that night of my dad, calling the girls over and um her name's ashlandy i don't know her real last name or anything but he calls her Ashlyn D. and she was put on the wall for something and um she um my dad's like if you clench your fist i want you to not uh, he doesn't say it he yells it he's like i want you to knock her out and he just starts yelling knock her out that's a threat if she clenches her fist knock her out um, and that goes for all of you girls. And at that point, I think they have 26 girls and he's telling 26 girls that this one girl clenches her fist to knock her out. Um, so he got that on video and the next day, my dad, he has a gun range at the end of the property. He, um, took Joseph hunting or not hunting. He took Joseph, um, shooting and Joseph said, my dad had to go up to the, um, the dorm And so he started cleaning up his guns and putting things away. And he looks up and my dad is holding this girl by her neck. She's off the ground and he just slaps her across the face. And um, Joseph said he, that at that point he had to leave because he had never in his life felt like picking up a gun and shooting someone so bad. Um, And I was like, no, I totally understand because my dad has done that to me before. Like my dad has picked me up and thrown me into a toilet telling, calling me a bitch, uh, but by my neck um so these are it's these are the same tactics that were used on me so it took me back um joseph said he contacted dss that night he left and dss out was out on that friday and he left on thursday night so, when um this? march 8th this beginning of this month
0: okay so is there currently an open investigation yes, it's
1: open for 30 days Okay. And
0: uh, I think that Ashlyn's mother and father need to know what's going on with her.
1: I just don't know how to get a hold of them. Otherwise, I would have sent them that video. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if there's a way. And so for any of, especially... I swear to God, the people in Denmark, if there's any of you in Denmark who are listening, who can find Ashlyn's parents so we can send them the video. Um, And see, that's the thing. If we had oversight and they had to uh, report, like in Alabama um sheriff i forget his name ex-sheriff whatever who saved all the freaking kids both from i just saw that
1: my husband's like can you get a hold of him can you get a hold of him i was like i don't know he's amazing (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah so we we all have people in common with him um so and i know people who went to agape who are in contact with him because they've been working with him on other legislation so that's definitely a next step because that would but um But yeah, Alabama, now, if you are housing a child for more than 24 hours, you're required to report that information to the state and adhere to a certain amount of, uh, you know, in protocols, like people come in, look around, know who's there, can talk to the kids openly, you know, just the bare minimum. And if we, you know, if we have that, then in situations like this, where you have a video potentially suggesting that someone's daughter is being violated in some way that they would have access to that. Cause I promise you her parents were not notified oh, no. about these no, going on. They
1: weren't, they will never notify a parent about what goes on. Most of the parents, um, uh, most of the girls that shared that video, their parents were like, what the fuck? You never told me what was going on. And they're like, well, we didn't think you would believe us because my parents, and I, I know a lot of people are, but they're so good at manipulating. They were even good at manipulating me into the, like, well, they
0: had your yes, whole life,
1: okay? <laughs> that is. You know, true. <laughs>
0: like, uh, you know, you should never be concerned about a cult getting you. Um, the fact that you believed or fell into or drank your parents' Kool-Aid—I mean, that was being fed to you from birth. Um, so there, you're fine. Like, and if if anything, you've had your inoculations.
1: <laughs> yeah, say. I just, I just can understand how manipulated someone can be from it, especially if you're trying to get your child help and you truly care and you try to get your child help. Um, I remember her name is Kelsey Maddoxton. Um, her mom got her out and her mom called DSS. And when her mom called DSS, I was told to take the girls downstairs and not to even come upstairs or even open that door. And if I heard them coming downstairs, I was to take the girls outside. So, um, like you said, if, they were allowed to come in and openly speak to the girls. I think that most of those girls would say something, but they don't. They hide the girls.
0: We'll leave it open, right? Because, like, when you look at um, Utah, they make a shit ton of money off these programs that are not religiously exempted, like your dad, and pay taxes into the system. And then also the income on in those programs really makes Utah look great as a state. It, I think it makes over 40% of their income. So I'm sure there's relations like that. And then also with a lot of programs, they hire locally, you know, and in these small rural areas where there aren't many job opportunities. And um, so they support the community in various ways. And so um, one would imagine, because when we looked up Circle of Hope, we saw that they were Circle of Hope, uh, supported financially in, un- in other ways through a lot of the local Baptist churches yeah. and our buddy, they look like they're related at least on the internet, but we're going to have to dig deeper and see what that is to Hepzibah house, which everybody should be familiar with at this point. Um, so, you know, I'm sure those like ties are pretty strong. I mean, you've got freaking blood ties. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've got, they've got to have ties that run deep. So at this point, what, how can the public help you to, A, save Rachel Kelso, hashtag where's Rachel Kelso, um, and also to, like, draw awareness to what's going on with Circle of Hope and maybe get someone to go in there and look at this a little deeper? They're in their 30 days, right? So
1: how can we help? Just by spreading the word. That's honestly the only thing I can think of. I My hands are tied. I feel like I'm at this point of just having to yell to get my voice out there. And that's all I can think of. I really don't know.
0: Well, you know what? Um, You are peddling quite the story. And I think it's about time people look into it at the very fucking least. Um, This just seems so typical of the industry, the way that your dad's connected and, you know, the kind of programs that he went through before he created his own. Um, And if for nothing else, if for nothing else. The Rachel Kelso situation is enough. But also, you know, anybody, please Google, like, they can look into Agape. They can look into Faith and Hope Children's Homes in Tampa. Um, there are multiple cases against them. Tampa, like, it was, like, they've obviously people have tried to go to the courts over and over with them. At, probably why there was rebranding. yeah, Right. Um, and then with your dad's school, there's all these stories of, you know, international students who ran away, which we're going to speak with one of them. Thank you for connecting us so she can corroborate all of this. Um, And even parents, like you said, uh, one of those girls, her mom came and rescued her when she realized what, how did she even realize what was going on? So
1: (laughs) the relationship between my parents and her were kind of toxic from the beginning. My dad found out she had money. And so my dad's like, we need to get her in. And so he's all like, you need to pay us three months up upfront. And I think he pay, charged her $5,000 a month. And um, so from the beginning, she just felt like something wasn't right. And then um, I think she was only there for three months, but within that time, Kel- Kelsey wasn't doing schoolwork. She wasn't really allowed to talk to Kelsey. Um, somehow I wanna say through a letter Kelsey got out because my parents read everything. Um, and if they don't like what you write, they will take a Sharpie and black out what you write and make you rewrite it, um, until it's perfect. But, um, I think she somehow got a code out to her mom and her mom just was like, no, we're pulling you. You're done. And came and got her. And then that's when she, um, started looking, I started looking into it. Like my parents at that time weren't registered with the school board of Missouri. Um, I think all of that information is on heel.
0: Well, and that's why they need access to the girls. So does, does Missouri currently like what what are your parents your parents are registered religiously so what like what strings does the state have currently on circle of hope i don't think so i
1: really don't because um every time i've gone to dss or like i said even travis um hitchcock is his name sergeant travis hitchcock it it went nowhere he took it out because he he knew that um the humansville da was probably in cahoots with my parents so he even went to springfield And Springfield, the ladies like, this isn't my jurisdiction. So I can't do anything about it. Um, But.
0: Okay. So why is Humansville not going to do anything about it? Are they making money off the school? I
1: don't don't have any paper trail of that. I don't know. Honestly, I do know that my brother worked for the police station in El Dorado, Missouri. And now some of his ex cop buddies, because he's not a cop anymore. um, They are. But they're sheriffs in Humansville. Um, I also know that Agape's um, son-in-law is a deputy in Stockton. So they have police ties. I'm guessing because they have police ties, they have the DA's hand in the, or the, the DA in their pockets. I don't know if they're paying. I have no proof of that. But it wouldn't surprise me. State-wise, Yeah.
0: Everyone knows Angela Smith. Uh, Heel has it. There's a couple websites that have it, but she's got the documents up there so you can see those. Um, yeah, that was really surprising. But did they get current with that? That's not something we can. even I don't know on, if they
1: right. got current. I can't find if they did or not. I know I just spoke with the FBI last week on it and she asked me the same thing. And I was like, I honestly can't say if they are or not. I know that they're registered with the Accelerated Christian Education Program, but I don't know about.
0: Okay. Well, you know what? Okay. So with your contact with the FBI, um, with the state, with everybody who is active now with the multiple cases and the multiple whatever investigations, why don't you talk to them and figure out how they want you to funnel information? Because just like you going and talking to the few people that you were already talking to, like, our yeah. instances have flooded, right? So... It- if you either they want to get it directly from you or they create like a hotline or email for the Circle of Hope testimonies and evidence. But I think that there's actually a lot of people that are ready to talk about your dad. I think you've started a tidal wave of truth. And so if anything, girl, I assure you, this is what you'll be remembered for in this community and in like the concept of justice retroactively or not Justice at all. is
1: definitely what I need. Not I need, but we need because... Rachel, honestly. Yeah,
0: it's enough. I mean, honestly, somebody like argue with us. And speaking of arguing with us on social meds, um, that's where you have the video. So. Let's get that video viral. You might want to pop a where the hell is Rachel Kelso or where's Rachel Kelso hashtag or something yeah. like that. I'm definitely going to get a shirt. Um, but tell us your social medias and where you are so that people can see the story, um, see the video and share that. And then when you get access to how you want people to chime in, because I'm really hoping that survivor community will get behind this and get like some instant style justice. I know yeah. we don't get that often, but. Could this be one of those? So honestly,
1: that video when I saw it, I was just like, this is this is (laughs) what we needed. Um uh, my it is the video is on Twitter. Um my Twitter is at Batmanda Forever. Uh but then my Instagram and my Facebook are just Berlin Von Mortis.
0: Berlin Von Mortis. Got it. Yes, that video. Um, send me just the audio and I'll pop it on the back of this so people can listen. And if they want to see, they need to pop on yours to see the video. But in the back at the end, like I missed it the first time, but the second or third time that I was listening, I heard all those tiny little she voices saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, do you hear me knock her out? And I was just like, Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Did you you hear like right before the video cut out? This part is what gave me the chills because if you answer him with the like sometimes when I'm in trouble, I laugh. I can't, I can't, (laughs) I don't know. I just laugh. I can't deal. Like I can't do anything but laugh. And so he would always be like, are you being a smart ass or are you being a bitch to me? And like at the end of the video, he starts to say, are you being to her? I don't know what he goes to say, but I was like, that right there sounds to me like he is going towards her and asking her like, you know, like, I don't want to say threatening, but like squaring up with her like he would do with me so many times. And I was like, I didn't even have to see that video to know how that video was going, going to go down.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's when your dad gets his ass off that couch, (laughs) you know, and then. And then your button is like, off. "Oh shit, I need to stop <laughs> yes. recording." Yeah. Well, because because he was like, "It seem you know, I'm not going to give away what you can see in the video, so go check it out." She already told you where, but yeah, I, I completely 100% agree with you. I would have turned off the video if it was on my fucking phone, which this was too at that point, because if he would turned seen around it, and it seen like,
1: died. I'm yeah. not, I'm yeah. not dying.
0: You know what I mean? My what dad. <laughs> done. My dad,
1: and he would have yeah, honestly, done? I know. Doubt in my mind, he would have taken the phone from him, because my dad feels like he is the most powerful person. When I came back at 18, I came back for a night to visit because my grandpa had just died and me, and my grandma were going um, through some times. Like we had issues. Um, I came back and I had a phone and I was talking to this my boyfriend at the time, and my dad found out that I was talking to my boyfriend. And this was like less than a 24 hour period. He took my phone from me. I was 18. He took my phone from me. Um, thankfully my boyfriend at that time came and got me and I left the next day. So I wasn't there long, but he thinks he can just rule anything, no matter your age. So I honestly think he would have taken the phone from him.
0: Yeah. I'm honestly survive- uh, surprised that our survivor president Trump doesn't
1: run his own program. Okay. Like maybe he even the does, I don't you know, but that- like, <laughs> they're pretty typical. He reminds me so much of my dad. I'm just going to say that <laughs> he reminds you should. So my dad
0: <laughs> He should sweetheart they yeah, yeah they're a product of the same yeah. kind of consistent yep. trauma you know what I mean with that kind of ego and personality um you know so you know if anybody wanted a really hard meditation on you know sympathy for another human uh Trump is a a survivor oh wait so he good went luck to with that. school
1: too holy crap
0: yeah he went to the New York yeah military academy damn yeah (laughs) actually there's like an interview it's on it's still on the internet um where he talks about I think it's called like the men who made Trump the yeah. whatever he is today kind of a thing. Um and it, he's telling stories about how the generals would just like knock your ass out and like they beat yeah. respect and discipline into them and how like the older guys would blah 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 and he would blah 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 and there are plenty of guys that went to school with him who have testimonials.
1: So if someone wants to jump on, <laughs> that I, I definitely enjoy. will look that up because that's insane. Like I didn't know that, but <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs>
0: Doesn't it? You know, you talk, you talk about learning about trauma and looking at people as humans and products of, you know, those cycles and patterns and mm-hmm. fucking brain damage. Um, Trump is like a beautiful example of that egomaniacal, like, you know, bully survivor. I never, that out of it never either, so. <laughs> Well, on that note, is there anything else that you want to say? We're going to, this is going to be We've decided this is going to be ongoing. Um, we're going to have other episodes with the other people. And then we're going to keep caught up with you. Um, but, you know, keep tuned because the timeout room is definitely going to have Amanda super soon. I'm going to connect to you when we get off the phone. And she's been following. She's super excited Sweet. about yeah, talking with you um, as well. And that, that's what we have to be concerned with because look how they can affect our everyday yeah. life,
1: y'all. <laughs> we covered um, a lot of the the stuff I wanted to cover. or right. I i know we meant... we. I think that's it for right now. Um, my mind is blank, basically. Feeling okay? I feel relieved. I feel um, therapeutic, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense and we hope that this episode, our first expose and the first in the series on exposing and hopefully bringing some reformative justice to the survivors of Circle of Hope and especially liberating our sister Rachel Kelso who is serving a life sentence in this abusive home. Um, So what you're going to hear next is 25 seconds of audio from the previously alluded to video That Amanda is hosting on the social meds. Please keep listening. There's 25 seconds of this audio. Check out the video for yourself. Um, But this is Boyd Householder speaking to the girls of Circle of Hope. And we really, really think that Ashlyn D's mother needs to know what's going on with her daughter. So if you can help us find out who. Ashland Diaz and who her parents are so that we can send this video to her. Um, that would be much appreciated. And stay tuned for how you can support this ongoing mission.
1: Knock her out. Yes, sir. I mean it. Knock
0: her out.
1: Yes, sir. And that
0: goes for yes. any of the rest of you. If she clenches her fist like she's going to hit you, that's a threat. Knock her
1: out. Yes, sir. Yes, you got sir. that, Ashland? Yes, sir. And are you be able-